0: Welcome to The Ordinary Pastor Podcast with C.J. Mahaney and Jeff Perswell. This podcast is devoted to helping ordinary pastors with the extraordinary privilege and responsibility of serving God's people in their local church. And now, here's the podcast with your host, Mickey Connolly.
1: Well, guys, welcome back to The Ordinary Pastor Podcast. have C.J. and Jeff here with me again, and we want to finish up talking about application. So, guys, great time, uh, great job last month. And uh, let's let's dive into the more practicals of application. Um, so, Jeff, where where do you start with application in a practical way? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I,
2: not to go over ground we've covered too much, but it, it is good to uh, remind ourselves that the the, the the first source of application or the first impulse there is is the text. The application yes. is going to be driven first and foremost by the text. Excellent. What is this text? claim. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is God trying to get done by this text? Every text has a goal. It has a purpose. What is that purpose? That's going to drive the applicatory thrust of our sermon. Um, And I think we spoke about that uh, a good bit Mm -hmm. last week. Um, I would also say secondly, and this gets down to a bit more I think we can think of it more practically, mm-hmm. although I think that's very practical. But also, mm-hmm. uh, first and foremost, it's the text. I'm not having to invent the application, mm-hmm. or at least the applicatory thrust. But well said. The other thing that does inform it is Oof. the congregation. Uh, we're not preaching sermons in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. We're not preaching to empty rooms. Yeah. We're not preaching to un uh, uh, you know unnamed people. We we are we're not preaching sermons for the internet we're preaching god's word to shepherd god's people Mm -hmm. and we are we've been assigned as pastors specific people people for whom we will give an account Uh, and so this is the primary way that i will shepherd them it's the primary expression of my leadership It's the primary way i will care for them it's the best way i'll I will care mm. for them. Excellent. Is is preaching God's word, bringing God's word to bear on their lives. So, who I'm preaching to is is going to be uh,
1: have a massive impact on yes. the, on the application. Yes, yes. CJ, you yeah, CJ, you do an outstanding job of this. Learn so much. So, kind of, how do you think that through? I,
0: yes, I think application is informed by our love for the people we serve and our knowledge of the people we serve. We are, we are to know well the condition of our flock. So I, I think the prepar- you know, even this past Sunday, I was uh, thinking that the, the preparation process, the application of the passage, actually it was done uh, through tears uh, because of certain individuals in the church I was thinking of as I was formulating the application. Uh, so one's love for those one is serving is vital <laughs> and not optional uh, to effective application because as, as Jeff said a moment ago, uh, but it bears repeating. We, we're we preaching to those who have been temporarily entrusted to us by the chief shepherd, uh, we we are not to be preparing or preaching to an audience that isn't in front of us, a broader audience, an internet audience, a Twitter world. Um, th- those worlds are not to be intruding in, in any way upon our application. Uh, so a, a knowledge of the people you are serving, a love for the people you are serving is just absolutely vital to application. And an, an awareness that... Uh, <laughs> Folks are easily overwhelmed, so we must be real careful in our application. By the way, when I say folks are easily overwhelmed, I'm easily overwhelmed. So, this, you know, I'm, I'm being informed by my own experience when I have the privilege to to listen to preaching. So one of the quotes that, that informs my uh, applicatory preparation is from uh, counselor and author David Pallison, who many years ago wrote... Just as we don't change all at once, so we don't swallow all of truth in one gulp. And then he writes, we are simple people. You can't remember ten things at once. Invariably, if you could remember just one true thing in the moment of trial, you'd be different. When you actually remember, you actually change. In fact, remembering is the first change. And then he goes on to quote Spurgeon. Spurgeon said, one bit of Bible prayed over and bedewed with the Spirit and made alive, though it be only a short sentence of six words will profit you more than a hundred chapters without the Spirit. So there's something about one bit of Bible for one area of someone's life, I think that should inform our application, Uh, particularly since We are having the privilege and joy of doing this each and every week. So this isn't a conference context where someone will hear you once in a year or a period of years. So I have to be aware that people are easily overwhelmed. I don't want my my application, first and foremost, to be informed by the text, all the wonderful things that Jeff just said. I'm not having to create this and come up with this in some uh, unique way. But then I also, in consideration of the people, do do not want it to become predictable uh, and do not want it to be... uh, uh, there to be too many applications uh, each and every sermon that just simply overwhelms people so i'm 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 sensitive to that and i think we need to be sensitive to that
1: excellent
0: yeah people are in different seasons of life male female single you know married it just yep. uh, all those have to be taken into to consideration yeah, I mean, application sorry people no the people in the church i mean i will write on a post-it note, uh, often when I'm preparing, I'll just choose different people from, you know, a teenager by name, uh, you know, the person suffering in a particular way by name. So I put down just four or five names on a post-it note that that's, that's, I'm preparing to serve them. Uh, not, not preparing to impress anybody with this message or perform. I'm preparing to serve them. And so how does this text make its way to those individuals? And how then can my application not overwhelm uh, those individuals?
2: Yes. Yeah, it's, that's great. I you know He mentioned, uh, know well the condition of your flock. I don't have to come up with the the applicatory thrust, the main application. It's not my pastoral cleverness. I'm not, mm. oh, so how do I apply? But I, I am applying, I am bringing the, the claim of this text, the, the application of this text to specific people. So think about, you know, know well the condition. So what is their condition? Uh, think of two categories, that, you know, what is their condition, humanly speaking? And so age. Seasons of life, yeah. you know the, the 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 young teen who's pretty preoccupied with how they look that morning, perhaps, yeah. and then the the older person who's uh, yeah. who's who's uh, wasting away, yeah. feels themselves yep. waste, you know, and and all those pieces. So, yep. Where are they, yep. humanly speaking? And then what's their condition spiritually? So is uh, we've got weak people, we've got. fearful people. We've got zealous people. We've got apathetic people. We've got prosperous people. We've got suffering people. And so, just keeping those those categories categories humanly and, and spiritually, keeping those things in mind. So then, the application is not me being brilliant. The application is saying, okay, this is what this text is calling for. One of the one of the things we're doing in application is just helping people, helping different people see what that looks like for yeah. them, yep, or what it doesn't look like yep. for them, right? So, uh, if let's say you're 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 speaking about the the faithfulness of God, that that's that's you know maybe this text just speaks about the character of God, that's his faithfulness, then application becomes helping people, helping ensure that people are viewing God that way. uh, We're we're helping, we're giving people a lens through which to view God, and we just want to, the task of application becomes, make sure people are viewing God through that lens, which means show what trusting looks like, to show uh, what it doesn't look like. You know, anxiety reveals that we're not viewing God that way. Uh, Showing things that get in the way. So that's pastoral work. What gets in the way of someone laying hold of God's faithfulness encountering situation you know facing situations in light of God's faithfulness so the application portion it's not that we have to come up with the idea but we do bring that word that claim of God's word to bear upon people hmm. as a pastor and that takes prayer that takes knowing your congregation yeah. that takes sensitivity that takes nuance. It time takes with them. Time with them, yes. And in wisdom. Um, but what a what greater privilege is there than helping people mm. lay hold no, of that yes truth yes. of scripture
1: mm-hmm.
0: that Sunday.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah our 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 sermons don't come from our people, the people we have the privilege to serve, but they are informed by our interaction with them. Uh, so and also when it comes to, to application, uh, one category, uh, Jeff, all those categories are so legit. And again, I have to remind myself of these categories. So I find you know, if, you, if, you're, if you come into my little office as I'm preparing a sermon, you'll see post-it notes all over the place because I need reminders. Uh, and so uh, adversity prosperity are, are two other categories because I', I found recently that I, I was kind of trending uh, consistently toward adversity assuming suffering which was a safe and wise assumption but then neglecting to address there are those prospering here and this passage addresses them as uh, as well also helping helping folks just have, a realistic expectation for growth, that this is a walk, that each and every sermon is is, is not a crisis experience where uh, I just want them to have a realistic expectation of what the sanctification process looks like, and then also reminding them from time to time that, that when you address one area of your life, it, it, it actually can influence the entirety of your life, because I think folks are sitting out there thinking, okay, you know, there's just so many things that I uh, need to apply, <laughs> so how is this one application really gonna make any definitive difference in my way? Give people hope by saying, no, listen, if you isolate this area, so uh, often when I teach, I will, I will try to lead them through a process where they don't seek to apply uh, too broadly uh, in too many areas because that, that is not going to be Fruitful,
2: yeah. So, and and what we've been speaking about here, and what, what CJ spoke about just specifically there, illustrates one thing. And I, I just would say this from observation, at least in our in our world, I, I think that pushing for specificity. Now What does this look? what is this? How does what you were saying? Mm-hmm. How do I apply this? This yep. one thing. What is the the one thing? The main thing this text is calling for. Um, it. it, it that specificity becomes so important for allowing each text to have its way. I think we can sometimes have the tendency to just go broad. Mm-hmm. And I have heard, and I've probably done it, but I, you know, you, you, I think I've heard many times. So, how are you doing with the spiritual disciplines? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you could say that after any sermon. Yep. Uh, read, <laughs> yep. You know, read the right. word. Pray. <laughs> Okay, good. Yeah.
0: Um, yes. That's great. Yes. How do you do it, please? Please tell me how you do it. That's exactly yes. right. Yes. But,
2: but I think, yep. um, you, you know, with, with any text, you, you can exhort people yep. to that. But when you when you think about what is this text addressing and how does God ultimately provide for that need or address us in that. How does what Christ, who he is and what he's done and what he promises to do, how does that provide, I think will give people application that's so much more relevant and so much more rich and and far less redundant. By
0: the way, Mickey, all, all of this assumes that the pastor has started the preparation process early enough in the week yes. so that uh, unhurried time can be given to this. That this, this you you cannot craft this uh, accurately, carefully, with specificity an hour before you preach. So it. it there 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 is a there is an aspect of just what what the totality of your preparation schedule looks like in order to deliver you to effective yes. application.
1: Great. Um large church, small church, there's there's probably a good possibility that there's gonna be some unbelievers there on a Sunday. Might be a teenager, might be mm-hmm. yeah, a visitor, hopefully, yeah. might mm-hmm. be somebody that's a member of your church that's professed yes. faith. And how do you think through that when you're thinking through application?
0: That's a great question. Uh, well, I mean, having read uh, many of Spurgeon's sermons, what's very clear is that if you were an unbeliever attending the Metropolitan Tabernacle, you knew uh, normally at some point in the sermon, he was going to address you. And and so you would be, I think, sitting there with a certain anticipation. Mr. Spurgeon knows I'm here, even though he doesn't know me by name. Uh, so I think that's a wonderful example. I'm not, I'm not uh, arguing for each and every sermon uh, uh, seeking to follow Spurgeon's example, but there should be it, it. It should be a part of the preparation process and communication, uh, alerting those individuals uh, as your non-Christian friends, expressing gratefulness for their attendance. Uh, making some kind of personal connection with them, and then a- addressing them very personally and specifically from the passage to d- depending on the passage. So I-, I don't think this is optional. this is this is what uh, we are called to do. Herald the gospel and and apply it. To the non-Christian and 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 call them to behold Christ and to cry out for mercy, to turn from their sins and trust in Him for the wonderful forgiveness of their sins. Amen, amen.
2: Amen. Yeah, it's it's really it, it's really just an application. I think we sometimes think, okay, I'm addressing all the Christians and then maybe a non-Christian or, or the non-Christians, but it's an application of what we spoke about earlier, addressing different people. What is their condition? Mm-hmm. So. If you think of that on a spectrum, some of these people are mature Christians. Some of them are growing Christians. Some of them are young Christians. Some of them are non-Christian. But keep the spectrum going. Some mm-hmm. of them are people who, in whom it is evident that God is working. They're asking questions. Some of them are fools, clueless, do not care about God, but they're there for a reason. And so you're just continuing to... Address that spectrum of people, and then it becomes if you're if you're if you're if we're sensitive to what a text is saying, then it, it addressing a non-Christian is going to be a very natural thing. Mm-hmm. That's not just okay. Now I, I got to get my gospel proclamation in here. No, if you're giving promises of God, you're you're uh, reveling in mm-hmm. these promises mm-hmm. that God gives us. Well, then. You have to qualify that. That assumes that someone, let's say, knows Christ and is joined with him and so forth. And so you, you, you don't want people to misunderstand. So now it's not just me pushing the, mm-hmm. okay, address non-Christian mm-hmm. button, but it's me saying, now, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you can't assume these things. These promises mm-hmm. are for a or people who have turned from mm-hmm. their sins. Yep. So and I think if you're looking for those kind of opportunities, I think it can be, yep. uh, it can, it can be more natural. I, I I never think it's unnatural, and even if it's unnatural, preach the gospel to nonbelievers. But I just think the more we're aware of the dimensions of a text and its claims, then the more natural it'll feel for us as we preach. And we think, yes. oh, I've, I've got to qualify this. Uh, I've got to uh, make sure that people aren't misunderstanding. Um, You know this particular text and so forth.
0: Yeah, and I think by addressing them personally, hopefully, uh, we're identifying with them, and as much as possible, then I want to draw on my past, (laughs) so including myself, so that they understand, uh, (laughs) and that so that would give them hope that I'm not self-righteously addressing them, but I'm very, very familiar with their state, as I. as I just in some ways reflect on my past, which I think can then prepare their hearts to be leaning in uh, rather than for them to interpret it as me just kind of self-righteously seeking to apply it to them. I don't want anybody to perceive it that way.
1: Okay. Um, All right, one last one. Um, Talk a little bit about finishing a sermon. How do you think about ending the sermon? Uh, So I think we can say, well, we end with application or we end with a poem or, but. But oh, yeah. making sure that we end the sermon well, how do you think through that?
2: Yeah, I... That's
1: a good question. Yeah,
2: my answer to that will be my answer to most questions about preaching. It depends on the text. Uh, but, but I think that's true. And mm-hmm. Obviously, different texts yeah. are, are going to have a different arc. Yeah, good answer. Uh, they're going to develop a different way. And thus, your conclusion will be determined by how that how that uh, that sermon has developed and how it has unfolded. I, I think in very general terms, this is going to appear obvious, but I, I would when you're ending, you, you just have to remember it's an important moment. Yep. Um, and I think conclusions can suffer from neglect. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because we didn't give sufficient time mm-hmm. to them or thought about them. Mm-hmm. But it's important because, it's it's the last thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like an introduction. Yeah. It's important because it's the first thing, but but I think at that moment you you just have to be you have to resist the temptation to sort of very quickly cover things that you didn't get to cover. Um, resist the temptation to add more information yeah. at that mo- yeah. at that point you are uh, yeah but you've already unpacked the truth of the text you've already perhaps even applied it at, th- at that moment you're 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 refocusing yeah. uh, you're, you're you're concluding in an appropriate way the big idea of a message, not this, not a smaller idea. Um, so I, I think that helps to, to frame it. At, at this point, I am, I am, I'm wanting people left with uh, the, the 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 main thrust of of, of the message. Um, I'm also uh, another category that I I, I have in mind. I, I'm wanting to end uh, with. I'm wanting to make sure that the the sermon is concluding, emphasizing the grace of God. So I want people, I don't want people leaving with the most important thing in their mind. I want them thinking, Hmm. what do I have to go do? Now, if it's repenting from sin or something like that, yes. But I want to leave people, we'll talk, we say this Hmm. in the the Hmm. homiletics course, I, I want to leave people more aware of what, who Christ is and what He has done, more aware of that than what they must now go do for Him. So I, I, I want there to be this final emphasis on the grace of God um, that uh, that has uh, that, that frames the truth of this text. That will frame our application of this text. That will empower us to obey this text. That will. Uh, that will remind us of, of how God has revealed Himself to us in this text. Yeah, I, I would want all the guys listening to know that,
0: you know, to, to to do these different podcasts with you guys is to be reminded of all of all of my failures. <laughs> I'm just try illustrations one after the other. So uh, I want that to give guys hope. You you learn by preaching over the years and receiving appropriate evaluation etc so uh, i think i've made every conceivable mistake when it when it comes to conclusions yeah, you, do, you don't want them to be abrupt <laughs> you, you you want your pace to to alter your your speech your tone it, it it has to take a turn that that uh, without saying uh, and you shouldn't have to say now as I conclude uh, without without being that specific people realize okay that a want a, a summation is taking place a conclusion is taking place and yes I totally agree with what Jeff says this is not a lecture so I'm, I'm not just reviewing the material I've presented I, I'm I'm trying to connect very personally and very specifically with folks, uh, I, I don't want anybody taking notes at that particular point in time. Uh, and and completely agree with Jeff. I wanted to end on a note of hope, um, so that there there is a certain skill involved in conclusions, and uh, we're all just familiar with as. Uh, as has often been said, just landing the plane too quickly, landing the plane too quickly. I've, I've done it all. Or so, not landing and circling and circling. Yeah. Oh my, board. that's what I've, I've pulled up so many times. Pull up, pull up again. He's coming in again. Oh, he's pulled up again. He's coming in. He pulled up again. So
2: yes. Yes. Yeah. I, one thing that I, I, I want to mention too, is it will depend on your church and how you end services. I I will sometimes point this out about textbooks. You read about conclusions in textbooks, and sometimes it can feel somewhat stilted. The reason for that is not because it's a bad chapter on conclusions, it's because it's assuming a particular ecclesiological setting. So in some, if you're in a, well, in some church settings, that conclusion, that's the last thing the people will hear the pastor say. He's going to end that. He's going to pray. There's going to be a song. And while that while that song is sung, he's walking down the aisle and he's going to station himself out at the back. Okay, your conclusion is going to have to get certain things done if that's the very last thing that you say. Some of our churches, uh, you know, in our setting, you might have a time after a closing song of you, you might come up and there might be some additional application or a ministry time. And in that setting, uh, that conclusion may not be the last thing that you say. And so you, you want to think in terms of, okay, how do we end our meetings? What are the, what are the different components? And, and given those, what is the appropriate way and the most effective way to conclude the sermon?
1: All right. Um We're running out of time on this one, and I want to talk about this some more. So let's pick this up next month. And uh, guys, thanks for listening once again. So it
0: appears you're just going to abruptly end this podcast. This is this is not a way to model (laughs) effective conclusions to either a sermon or a podcast. I mean, you just all
1: my life I've served as a bad example. (laughs) There's something to be said about that as well. (laughs) So guys, I just crashed the plane. (laughs) See you next month.
0: No. (laughs)